0: Hey everyone, it's uh, Simon here. I wanted to uh, just do a quick note before uh, the podcast uh, goes online and let you guys know that you might notice that we won't be uh, posting necessarily every single mo- Monday morning. However, uh, we most likely will be posting more often than we used to. So we just had one last Saturday, it was an emergency episode. Uh, we'll have the one that's going to go out uh, tonight, which is uh, was recorded by Braiding and I on tuesday and we'll go out on tuesday uh, march 17th um, i'm not sure if we'll have another one later this week or not but you can rest assured that we'll be posting very regularly it may just not be uh, monday morning like we used to but most likely we'll be doing a couple episodes uh, every week so we want to really bring you guys some good content some valuable content do some research if uh, there's some research to be done we understand that the uh, situation when it comes to market is rapidly evolving with all the COVID-19 news, and we definitely want to bring our take uh, from a Canadian perspective on that. So stay tuned, make sure you, uh, you refresh your uh, podcast listening apps and you're subscribed if you're on Apple uh, Podcasts to our uh, Canadian Investor Podcast, so you'll be sure not to miss an episode uh, whenever we post it.
1: Live from the
0: Great White North, this is The Canadian
1: Investor, where you take control of your own portfolio and gain the confidence you need to succeed in the markets. Hosted by Brayden Dennis and Simon Belanger. Welcome back to The Canadian Investor. We are recording this on Tuesday. What day is it today? March 17th. I am in complete Mm -hmm. (laughs) social distancing mode. I'm going to lose what track of what day it is soon. How's it going, Simon?
0: Uh, it's going, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of hard to keep track of what day it is when you're not going to work and just working from home every day, but, uh, you know, considering everything and uh, the situation uh, a lot of us are in, it's going pretty well.
1: Yeah, I just think about how lucky a lot of us are, and I just have so much respect for people who still have to be out there, uh, you know, working, whether it's making ends meet, or if they're... You know, on the front lines, if they're doctors, nurses, people in the hospitals, outrageous amount of respect for them. And uh, honestly, that's why we're staying apart from each other so that we can try to limit the impact on the capacity of people that need to be in the hospital at one time. I believe they're calling it flattening the curve. And this is really, really important. So, you know, everyone's got to do their part to stay away from each other, essentially. So if you can isolate, you should. All right, Simon. Let's talk about what's going on in the stock market. Uh, yesterday was an absolute bloodbath. Today's recovered slightly. Uh, yesterday finished. The Dow finished down thirteen percent. I don't know what the TSX finished. I'd have to look that up. But absolute nightmare. Air Canada's down another twenty six percent today. Uh, airlines are getting absolutely slaughtered. You know those kinds of stocks it makes sense that they're getting slaughtered if people don't want to fly. And, you know, airlines have had a rough go in the last 20 years. You know, they, they finally figured it out, I'd say, in 2014, consistently being profitable. That was a real tipping point for them. And then now this again, it's, uh, is, is it is it too early to catch this knife, Simon?
0: Uh, I mean, I personally have started dollar-cost averaging, and I think we've mentioned it time and time again. uh, That's why you want a dollar-cost average, because it'll be really hard to pinpoint the bottom. Um, I've not invested the majority yet. I've just started some position in companies that I really, really liked. Um, I mean, on a day-to-day basis, it's pretty intense. You're getting, what, 10% uh, drops, 10% increases, increases. It's hard to say, I mean, over the long run, it seems like, well, I mean, over the long run, it seems like at least on a short to medium term basis, the trend seems to be going down and we're still trying to understand the full impacts that uh, this whole situation will have in the economy. But uh, yeah, that's my quick take on it in terms of uh, if it's too early or not. Um, What about you, Brayden?
1: I agree, man. This is why I don't use stop losses, because stop losses, my whole portfolio would be liquidated right now. I've never seen so many Quest Trade. Uh, I use Quest Trade. I've never u- seen so many notifications of positions being up and down ten percent day after day. The volatility is insane. So you know what? We all know that this is gonna be around for a while covid is definitely making huge impacts on the economy i it's real i feel really bad for small business more than anything uh, so you know not the big publicly traded stocks that we generally talk about that will be impacted but i do really feel for small business locally and i do think that it can always get worse it could get much worse before it gets better but If you think you can time the bottom, you're lying to yourself, get some self-awareness, put the ego aside. You're not going to get it at the bottom perfectly. So what do you do? You dollar cost average at a reasonable time. I am doubling, tripling those contributions from normal because I I just want to do that while the stock market falls. I've been waiting six years since I turned 18 for this. Like This is is finally my moment. Uh, And here we are. So it's probably and definitely can get worse before it gets better but it's impossible to time and i'm going to continue to dollar cost average
0: yeah i mean i'm going to do the same so i started some more positions i started the visa i think i mentioned recently i started position mastercard so i started a a position in visa Um, you can tell we like those companies (laughs) yeah exactly um i also have a limit order for lululemon that's pretty close of being activated although i am cognizant that for them uh, i'm also dollar cost averaging but they could see uh, definitely some short-term pain because i think they've uh, closed their stores for at least a two weeks uh period if i they, I they did correctly. they did
1: close yeah. up shop that's correct
0: yeah. And one thing that I do love from them is they actually said they would pay their employees uh, even though that they were closing their stores. And I think that goes to show um, a bit how that company is run and they have like a human side to their company. But you have to keep in mind, too, they also have a pretty good online business. So that part will probably be helping them. A bit more uh, while their retail locations are closed. Um, in terms of just a side note uh, from the markets, uh, for the, I know Braden and I are very lucky. We're fortunate. We're able to work from home and keep getting paid. But if some of you have been impacted by the coronavirus and you you know you lost your job or maybe you're laid off for a period of time, uh, make sure you do some research. Uh, some employers, like I just said, Lululemon, they'll continue paying employees, but some other employers might not be able to do so, so um, there's employment insurance, you can always try to apply. Your employer would be required to submit your record of employment for that uh, directly to Service Canada, so keep that in mind. If you don't qualify for employment insurance, uh, look at the provincial programs. I know the Quebec government did announce that they would have a program similar to EI for uh, those who do not qualify for employment insurance but are affected by the COVID-19. So that's just a, a little kind of sidetrack uh, because I know some people may be impacted differently. Um, so the other thing I, I notice uh, in terms of investing in these really volatile times, at least from my perspective, and even though I have a plan, I'm dollar-cost averaging in these good businesses is it's it's not easy. I mean, it's really not easy to pull the trigger even though you might have a plan. There's all, always this thing in the back of your mind, this fear that things could get worse. Am I really doing the right thing investing right now? So just want to make people like, it's normal, it's human nature to have those feelings, but I think it reinforces the case for dollar cost averaging. And just so you know, even though Braden and I are very analytical and we have a plan, um, I mean, at least I can't speak for Braden, but at least I feel that, uh, I mean, it's not easy uh, psychologically to keep investing when you have that much uncertainty.
1: It does create a little bit of self doubt. And imposter syndrome because you're like, you have to reevaluate your whole plan, but, but you don't really, you don't. But what you what you should do is use this to improve. If you're not looking at this as a way to have some self awareness and look at how you can improve, not only your portfolio, but how you're going to react about this in the future, use it and learn from it. So I wrote a wrote an Instagram post yesterday um, about what to do during market corrections. And about four things. And I said, have an emergency fund. We talked about, you know, we've always talked about personal finance wise, having an emergency fund, you know, start with three months expenses, you know, get it up to six months exp- expensive, you know, depend expenses depends on how, you know, you like what you feel comfortable with, like what your situation is, how stable is your job? That'd be a good start. Uh, the next thing is, is don't, refresh financial news every two seconds. That's gonna make you really question what's going on when you see 12% day after day. Uh, And then I said, all right, this this third step, which is use this to improve. And then the fourth step is, which we already talked about earlier in this episode, which is dollar cost average. So if you can turn out financial news, that'll help you a lot. If you have an emergency fund, your stress is gonna go down. Learn from this in the future and how you manage your portfolio and then continue to dollar cost average like we've talked about. It's not easy, and it'll really show you how you react. But seriously, if you do focus on the numbers like we do, we know that good businesses uh, you know, are, are able to perform for the long haul, have safe balance sheets. So being able to do your due diligence will help you sleep at night. And if you aren't doing your due diligence, then perhaps an ETF, broad market ETF, mm-hmm is the right thing for you. It really could be. You could improve your performance just by doing that because it might affect your psychology, like you might be better suited psychologically to just own a big basket of stocks. So speaking of ETFs, we are going to talk about the VRE or, or other ETFs that are available in the real estate investment trust space. We've had some questions about real estate investment trusts. So the big obvious one that a lot of people use is VRE from Vanguard has a 0.35% management expense ratio. Simon and I talked about this thing a little before we, we got on here, and there's a couple concerns that we have, is that big two holdings in the top 10 are Smart Centers and RioCan makes up 20% of it just with those two holdings and real estate investment trusts via retail, which could be fine. They've been heavily undervalued for a long time. And they're just getting absolutely punished even more right now because people are not going into retail stores. We just talked about Lululemon not being open. So let's think about that for a second. And we look at the other other holdings, you know, office REITs, the one that we always thought was just so, so safe. I'm looking at my office REITs going, "Uh uh-oh, what's going to happen if everyone's working from home? So there's a lot of questions about real estate investment trust right now where they've always been kind of counteracting what happens in the stock market. And we're just not seeing that the case right now because this pandemic is affecting everything. During 2008 in the financial crisis, you know, if your portfolio is just you know, fall, falling through the floor, but at least you could go out, go into coffee shops, you know, ease your mind and not be stressed out about leaving your house. This is way different and something that we've really never seen before in a big global stock market like this. So I'm interested to see your take as well on the Real Estate Investment Trust ETF.
0: Yeah. So um, the VRE.to, so I, yeah, we talked about it before the, uh, recording this episode so I have the same thing I think it has about 17 holdings in total so it's uh, very concentrated uh, my personal approach if uh, people are looking to invest in REITs in Canada I'd probably go with the basket approach that way you can select four or five REITs um, the strongest ones I would recommend so and uh, you know a good balance sheet not too much debt um, retail REITs right now uh, given the uncertainty I would definitely wait and see um, there's probably some that will come out on the other side even the stronger but the ones that are poorly managed too much debt um, it's not going to be good for them that's for sure so that would be my approach from a Canadian perspective uh, I know the question we had it was asking in terms of why are REITs uh, they tend to be these REITs um, REITs ETF, they tend to be um, higher fees. So I did find, I mean, they're a bit higher than the uh, traditional index uh, ETFs, with your, you could be looking at uh, the broader market. Um, There are some US ones that are interesting, especially the VNQ. And the uh, iShares USRT um, if I had to choose between both of them I probably would go with the iShares mostly because their expense ratio is lower than the Vanguard um, and they offer a lot more diversification in terms of different type of REITs that um, the Canadian one would have um, so those are some two, two example obviously whenever you choose uh, an ETF, make sure you at least research some of the larger holdings, some of the sectors, even if they're REITs, there's going to be a uh, divide into residential, retail, industrial, office REITs, and so on. Um, also factor in some of the turbulence that there could be. Uh, they could be facing, especially, for example, office REITs. If some businesses go out of business because of this well obviously even if even if they have leases with a, a REIT well they won't be able to pay it so the vacancy rate might increase for a bunch of these different REITs so make sure you factor that in and especially if you have a broker where you can buy uh, ETFs without paying a fee i know Questrade offers it i know a few other ones do offer that so you can really dollar cost average in those uh, types of ETF really with small amounts of money over a long period of time and kind of absorb a bit more the the fluctuations we might see in the market.
1: Very good points. The ETF-free commission is nice. I like that. So VRE right now has a 3.8% yield. Um, That's as of January 31st. So that yield has definitely gone up. I'm just looking at the fact sheet from Vanguard. That yield has definitely exceeded 4% now based on what's happened since January 31st. And I'm looking at the holdings, and you know what? I do like these companies. I think a lot of them are pretty solid. First Service Corp, Allied REIT is one that I've talked about many, many times, scores very highly on my Stratosphere investing ranking model. And I'm looking for companies that are growing the payouts, growing the distributions, because they're not actually dividends. These are these units give out distributions, which is slightly different tax-wise, and Canadian Apartment Properties and Allied, those two, which are two of the top three holdings in this VRE, which which gives me some hope because I, I do think those are very, very well-run growth-oriented REITs that will continue to do very well. Maybe apartment REITs, that's not going to be affected by this at all i wonder how their stocks performed but um yeah yeah i mean sh- there's a lot of other options out there too you mentioned the u.s ones i think younger investors should not get tricked into the trap of getting it uh, attracted towards really high yield real estate investment trusts right when they're starting out you know, we t- we've talked about investors who are just starting out getting very excited about super high dividend yields that may not be safe, may not be growing. There's just maybe better places to put their market, but uh, put their money in the market. Sorry, and high yield REITs fit that category as well for me. So I would recommend what you said is pick a few with. High growth of the distribution, not necessarily high yield of the distribution right now.
0: Yeah, and I would focus definitely on debt. That would that would be my other main focus when looking at a read. Just make sure you look at what kind of debt they have, uh, because depending on if their revenue will be affected regardless of the sector, uh, you want a read that will be able to absorb uh, some short-term fluctuation. So that, that's definitely uh, my best tip. But like Braden said, even better if they're increasing the distribution over time and their uh, revenues are increasing as well. One that I do like in the States, um, and unfortunately that we don't really have any in Canada. I know there's, um, I think, Storage Vault in terms of um, uh, storage REITs. But uh, I do like public, st- uh, public storage, so PSA in the States. Uh, that's one I really like. I own it as well. Uh, it's not a very fast-growing uh, type of REIT, but it is very stable. Glows, I think, a couple percentage a year. Um, really on solid ground, low debt. And usually they're not too impacted by uh, economic fluctuations because people, you know, they'll still need uh, that storage oftentimes.
1: Good point. All right. Let's switch gears slightly to another request that has come in for Canadian Tire, Canada's darling of a retail store that has not done particularly well as of late. And I can't imagine that this mess with COVID right now is helping them by any stretch. We're going to give our take on it. I invest in growing companies that are capable of scaling globally or at least outside of Canada. I have a real appreciation for MidCap in particular, seems to be my niche, Canadian companies on the TSX that have global business or at a minimum North American business. And Canadian Tire Just doesn't have the scale. The growth has been pretty much flatlined. They'll go up with inflation and down with inflation pretty much all the way back to 2012. And I just don't see this as a great place for a long term investor. I do think that it is trading at quite attractive valuations, you know, at eight times earnings right now, six billion in market cap if these statistics are correct pretty high return on equity not the highest return on invested capital four to- four and a half times enterprise value to ebitda is like just like outrageously cheap so this would meet all my value screens but not all of my growth with value screens so i'm interested to hear what you have to say about this one too simon
0: yeah, I was looking at their balance sheet a bit more um, just to get a sense of what they look like. Uh, well, the first thing for me is obviously it's retail. So what we're seeing more and more is people, uh, the social distancing. So I think they're going to be hit from a retail perspective. There's not going to be as much people going to their stores. So um, I think they'll see a hit in their sales. So that's definitely one thing I would keep in mind. Um, the other thing is we were talking about this earlier. I th- I think they make, if I remember correctly, it's less than 5% of their total sales that comes from online. So you can make a case for other companies, other retail companies, I mentioned Lululemon earlier, where they have a solid presence online. Uh, That's not really the case with Canadian Tire. So a lot of their sales might actually switch over to a company like Amazon that sell a lot of the same stuff that Canadian tire would sell probably not all of it granted um so that would be one of the risks in terms of valuation um I would caution people to use uh the trailing 12 months or even 2019 sales um you have to keep in mind if you're looking at a PE you're basing it on something if the earnings are going to go drastically down in the next year or so um yeah, it might not be so cheap when you think about it for a second. If you make some projections and you think their earnings is gun, are really going to drop a whole lot. Um, in terms of their dividend, I was just looking at that now. It seems to be okay in terms of a free cash flow basis, but again... It's okay based on their trailing 12 months in 2019, but that could uh, really change going forward. So this is one that I would probably, if I ever consider it, uh, probably wait until this year is over and see how they do in the upcoming quarters just to kind of get a better sense how their business is impacted.
1: The dividend is currently 5.77%, so very juicy. And 2019's payout ratio... Uh, was thirty three percent so they will be able to cover this next year i would i would assume unless their sales absolutely drop off a cliff from this which could very well happen i'm not sure uh and you know you bring up a good point simon is is that it's really hard to value this business on trailing earnings i think the dividend is actually relatively safe. I'd be more comfortable owning this as a high-yielder than a big oil and gas stock right now, to be completely honest. So if you're really chasing after the dividend yield, which, again, this podcast has talked about many, many times, don't recommend, I think I'd still rather own good old crappy tire at this price than you know what's happening with oil and gas at you know super super high dividend yields but very unsustainable right now uh and they they have even worse macro factors happening for them so we shall see uh what's going to happen no one knows that's the key with this no one knows no one has any idea how this is going to shake out no one knows what the recovery is going to look like. No one, looks, no one knows if the U.S. is going to be completely on lockdown. I know San Francisco is completely on lockdown right now. Ontario just announced today that we are going only essential services. Uh, Alberta joining. I wouldn't be surprised if Trudeau has another press conference and does that again tomorrow. So, you know, this could extend quite a while. Who knows?
0: Yeah, and if when it comes to Canadian Tire, I mean, I personally, I think there is better businesses out there that are going for a discount. That's my personal opinion on it. Uh, the dividend does look really juicy. I mean, if you're looking for a juicy dividend, might as well go for Macy's in the U.S. It's going, I think, 23% dividend. My God. <laughs> but Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Obviously, I, I would not touch Macy's with a 10-foot pole. Um but all that to say, I mean, it's going to be interesting what happens this year with retail. I think it's going to be a bit with uh, a bit like oil and gas as you're going to see some bankruptcies from uh, companies that are just not well managed. And you'll see the stronger players come out even stronger after uh, this whole thing is behind us. Who knows how long it'll be. But that's my prediction is uh, there's going to be a bit of a clean out in terms of retail businesses and the stronger ones will survive and probably thrive going forward.
1: Speaking of potential bankruptcies and absolute mess of a company right now, Canadian stock Cineplex. We could talk about that one right now as well. Uh, They just rejected a takeover bid from Cineworld, uh, the U.S. kind of equivalent to them. Uh, I don't know Cineworld at all until really I saw that they wanted to take over Cineplex. I'm pretty surprised they're not taking this deal i mean this the stock is down like eighty percent since they decided that no one's gonna be in the in the movie theater uh for the foreseeable future and it's it's interesting you know I, I think when Everyone's like, okay, we're going to close our doors for two weeks. You know, the 14-day kind of self-quarantine. That seemed to be like the word on the street a week ago was, okay, we're going to close our store for two weeks. And then it was like, okay, no. We're, st- we're, we're closing our store for the foreseeable future. Like we don't – no one knows when it's going to be back. So I don't know. I, I don't know Cineplex that well. I've seen it as just a deep, deep value play that I was always way too scared to touch, thank God. And I wouldn't be surprised if they regret not taking this takeover bid. I mean, you saw what happened with movie companies that got a little bit too too proud, <clears throat> Blockbuster. So we shall see. Man, there's so much unpredictableness right now. That's why me and Simon say, stick with quality companies. It's going to reduce your stress load a lot. Knowing when you look at your portfolio and going, that is a company I would like to own for 10 years minimum. That will definitely help the way you think about your portfolio, the way you think about market corrections, and your confidence to be able to then take your money now and put it into the stock market now, and next week, and the week after. That's the key. I talked about learning from mistakes, or not necessarily mistakes, but learning from market corrections. That is a big one for me. I am like so gung ho on picking up quality right now uh, that you know, if if you're not learning from this, then you know what's what's the point, right? So, this is a really key opportunity to look at your portfolio. Realize what it makes you feel when you see 10% drops in companies that you are just maybe on the fence about. You're going to want to sell those, right? So you need complete conviction in your thesis. And that is my recommendation.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. And just looking at their financial statements real quick, uh, I mean… I'm not sure how they'll uh, be making their interest payments. I'll be honest with you. I was just looking at that and um, it's not looking good for Cineplex. If there's nothing it coming. It
1: smells in. a lot like bankruptcy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I would definitely stay away from them if people are looking for a company entertainment that will probably have some more short-term headwinds but uh, should come out pretty well in the medium to long term i would probably look at uh, disney in the u.s i think they they're definitely gonna suffer short term but i think they're in a much better position than a company like cineplex
1: absolutely and disney's getting absolutely whacked because they're they're part i didn't realize i've never owned disney stock personally i didn't realize that the parks was such a big portion of their business until i saw what the impact was on their disney worlds in china when you know the wuhan outbreak started and they closed that and then now all the u.s ones are closed and i think of other experiential type businesses like live nation i think we've talked about live nation on this one on this podcast another company you know if you're not a lot of gatherings above 10 or 50 people whatever it is that Trump and Trudeau have both come to. I think that I think Trump saying ten and Trudeau's saying from Public Health Canada is over fifty is just not allowed in terms of size of gatherings. This company is gonna get absolutely crushed. I have so many concerts that I was so excited for that I'm like, oh no! I really hope this happens, and I know I'm not the only one. Do you know Taman Palace, Simon? That concert needs to happen. No, I don't know them. You, need, you, you go on Spotify after and listen to Tame Impala. All right, guys. I think this was a good episode. Get stock, Mark.
0: Do we want to go... Uh- a little bit, yeah, sorry. A little bit for our tip of the day. Oh yeah, give me a tip of the day. I think we just forgot. Give me give yeah, 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 sorry. Me I
1: need
0: it. <laughs> um, sorry. Tip of the day actually goes back to what we were saying. So when you're reviewing a company and you're looking at their financial statements, uh, hopefully you are, if you're considering them, especially right now. Um, like we mentioned, make sure you keep in mind that when you're looking at price to earning ratios or price to good. Uh, cash flow ratios, any type of ratios that are looking at the past uh, 12 months, uh, past years, uh, even looking at five, six years in the past, well, those were really good uh, economic years for the economy in general. Um, and what we're going through right now and the next year, or maybe a couple of years in terms of recession, uh, will probably make those uh, sales and earnings go down, at least on a short term basis. So make sure you factor that in when you're looking at the value or the price of a company when looking at the uh, ratios we talk about quite a bit because relying on past uh, ratios might be a bit dangerous uh, in this type of environment. So just make sure you factor that in.
1: That's a very good point. Uh, (laughs) The old disclosure, past performance does not indicate future results. I think about the market falling right now and I think about it's still pretty high. When you consider, you know, the five-year trend, and it makes you wonder how overvalued stocks are. I'm looking at the Shiller PE, and it's starting to come back to normal, you know, normal median numbers. The Shiller PE is basically the price-to-earnings ratio of, you know, the entire stock market, or it might be just the S&P 500, and it's coming back to like median numbers on, on a long-term chart. And I think, well forward earnings looks really bad so does that mean that the market is still currently very overvalued that's a deep question that I'm not going to be able to answer in this podcast but I don't know if you do you follow the Schiller PE much Simon
0: Uh, I thought the Schiller PE was like uh, looking at a PE on an average basis over like the past 5 or 10 years or something like that it's the current market PE okay Okay. I mean, I wasn't – anyways, I I don't – I guess I don't follow it too much. I thought it was more uh, the average and really useful when you're looking at cyclical companies. Uh, but, I mean, I could definitely be wrong. Um, so, I guess – from what you're saying, no, I don't follow that a lot, but I know on a P ratio, the S&P 500, for example, I know we're still at fairly high level historically, uh, but it's getting a bit closer to, to the average. Norm.
1: Yeah, it's approaching it, which makes me question, like, does that mean with what you just talked about with forward earnings, is it still heavily overvalued and that's a question that i'm not going to answer for you who knows what's going to happen what we will say is dollar cost average that's going to do it for this episode guys thank you so much for listening thank you for the listener questions thank you for the kind emails thank you for the kind dms on instagram appreciate it all hope you guys have a good week stay safe Stay safe, self-isolated. Today's St. Patrick's Day, you know, maybe have a couple FaceTime beers, but seriously, stay away from large groups, and do our part. Okay, thanks, guys.
0: The Canadian investor is not to be taken as investment advice. Braden or Simon may own securities mentioned on this podcast. Always make sure to do your own research and due diligence before making investment decisions. <laughs>
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Canadian Investor. To get a list of the top Canadian dividend stocks right now and
0: other valuable investing resources, go to GetStockMarket.com.